You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Askew is a founding member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Are you looking for a great collection of podcasts? Look no further than the Odd Pods Media Network. No matter your personal interests, the Odd Pods Media Network has you covered from movies, music, television, video games, pop culture, interviews, and more. We've got it all. As a member of Speaker Prime, Odd Pods Media has great content to bring you. Let's hear from some of the shows and the hosts on the network. Hello, this is Little Matt. I'm Sam. I'm Richie from the 500 Section Lounge. I am CJ, and with me as always is my hetero life mate, Rico. Hey guys, I'm Rico, and we are the hosts of Podeskew Podcast. Hey, I'm Midnight Agent Raw. And I'm Okami. From the Super Media Bros Podcast. I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. You're married with television. Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are BFYTW. I'm Dylan. I'm Kendall. And I'm Corey, hosts of From the Middle. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Our diverse collection of hosts share news, opinions, and interesting stories in a way that will not only keep your attention, but will keep you wanting more. New content is available seven days a week from the network in places like your favorite podcast provider, YouTube, Get Vocal, and all social media outlets. You can follow Odd Pods Media Network on social media and find your new favorite podcast and friends today. Montesquieu Podcast. I am CJ. With me, as always, is my hetero life mate, Rico. What's up, man? What's up, motherfucker? I feel like I've lost an octave on my what's up. <laughs> Would you like... Try it again. No, no, I think I'm good, but I just, I feel like... I, no, overall, I feel like I've lost an octave on my on my what's up. So... You just drop it down. Just what's up. What's up? <laughs> what's what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, for for the audience, I was showing Rico a disturbed thing before we started. <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, speaking oh of disturbed things, what about what? Why? What now? <laughs> speaking of disturbed, oh fuck um, yeah, dude, dude, dude. So okay, so the past couple episodes have been kind of. Uh, uh, for everybody but Rico, it <laughs> well, was, uh, yeah. you know, it was Martian for you. It was, it was uh, Pump Up the Volume for, for uh, Jay. It was um, fucking House, house party, party for, for Kateri. Kateri. Happy yeah. birthday, Kateri, again. Um, and then finally, I was like, you know what? There's there's a movie on HBO I've been wanting you to fucking see since I f- we first became fucking friends. 
And I know that you like Tarantino, so you may like this one. He wrote it. Technically, he wrote both these films. Yeah. And it's especially funny because last episode, at the end, you said, yeah, I don't think we're doing this one. And fuck you, we're doing this yeah, one. Yeah, I know. I heard that one. <laughs> but it's it's not all bad. It's actually all worse because we're also we're not only just doing true romance. We are including natural born killers because technically they kind of started out as one long story and then they were split in two. So, yeah, you might need it, to explain that because I don't see how they're tied together, except that Tarantino oh, wrote them both. But well, the, from what I understand, it was it was about two separate couples going on their own respective. Oh, OK. So, uh, all right. All right. Then then. OK. I get it. I believe if I if I know it was like he tried to, you know, chapterize his his films as he always does, and he was trying to split the true romance characters with the natural born killers characters and I guess try to have them bob and weave throughout and he just realized it was just too convoluted. So he was trying to make money uh for reservoir dogs. This is pre reservoir dogs. Right. And so he he managed to split them into two separate scripts uh, and then sold True Romance to Tony Scott, who, for the most part, kept the story as was. All he did was he made it more linear. Um, OK. You know, from, OK. And then Natural Born Killers was bought by Oliver Stone, who basically rewrote the fucking whole thing, except he kept the basic dialogue. But he changed the context of the dialogue. So, like, the dialogue is all Tarantino, but I think they were given a different characters or they were put in different situations. So it became this weird uh, ad-libs Tarantino-esque. But it, it, from what I understand, the final product of Natural Born Killers is is really basically just an idea supplied by Tarantino at this point. I would love to see him basically redo it and do his own take on his own story. Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. You know, it's funny you say that though, because it, it it felt uh, of the two, natural born killers felt more Tarantino to me than, than true romance did. I totally disagree. Okay. I mean, I feel like they're both Tarantino. They're both like one of them is like, okay, this is a kid he doesn't see that often. And the other one is that he put up for adoption, but has no interest in, in, in revisiting, so to speak, because he's come forward and said natural born killers is like, he said, he actually kind of put a ban on anybody that's in his inner, inner circle that works on that film. He won't work with them. I think he relented for Juliette Lewis because they were in from dusk till dawn together. But he, right, right. He, I saw that. He basically, he said, "I will never watch that fucking movie, and anybody who does is not like blah 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 blah." I've also heard him say, "You know what? Godspeed to Oliver Stone. I have no ill will toward him, but I've heard him flip flop between the two. That's a shame, no, because I would like, I would, I would like to see him with uh, Woody Harrelson. Like, I would like to see him work with Har- Woody. That would be a good. I, I agree." I, I, w- I would like to see him do Natural War Killers. I believe he has published his original script. 
You know, so even if he didn't do this, like just him and Woody Harrelson working on a project, I think you know what I mean. Like, sure. like let's let's be real. Uh, Travolta was fine, but but what what he could have been Vincent Vega easily could have been Vincent Vega. Also, also could have been Bruce Willis's character. Um, in that film, yeah, in both those. I kind of I kind of see Woody as more of like Zed. You know the guy who could have been Zed. Yeah, it could have been Zed. He also, honestly, I, I, I think he could have been Jules too. Personally, I mean that that, those are fight those those are fighting words. No, look, look, I'm not saying they should have replaced it. I'm saying that you know if if we're we're in agreement that Woody is 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 a Tarantino actor. Oh, for sure. That's all. Really, yeah. That's all I'm kind of saying. And conversely. As good as Downey was in this thing, I don't <laughs> see Tarantino casting him. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but it would be astounding. Can you imagine Downey with his distinctive drawling voice doing Tarantino dialogue? You yeah, know, well, just... I mean, yeah. I it, it just depends on how that would be done, you know? So, I mean, for the most part, you would acknowledge that Leo DiCaprio doesn't really seem like a Tarantino actor either. That's true. But they've done uh, two. two films. Two, yeah. yeah. And it works. It absolutely works. But the same thing right, goes but with Brad he, Pitt. Brad Pitt doesn't seem like a Tarantino actor either. No, but but of those two, I felt like Pitt fit better in his world than than DiCaprio. Sure. I can, I can acknowledge that. Um, so... I'm curious. What did you think of True Romance? I liked True Romance. Honestly, if I, if I listen, uh, I liked True Romance. At the end of Natural Born Killers, I was tempted to tell you you had to Venmo me four bucks because <laughs> it it it. I, I know I know a lot of people have um uh, a real. I feel. never said Natural Born Killers was a good movie. No, but I know a lot of people that fucking like live or die by that movie, and I yes. I just didn't I didn't get it. Like, I mean, I'll tell you this: I I enjoyed, and this is probably wrong, you know. And I use "wrong" in quotes because what's wrong about what you enjoy, right? But I enjoyed the the parts after they got into prison way more. Than the lead up to the, to it, mm-hmm. like I I thought the lead up portion when they were just out on the road was stupid. It I I'm not disagreeing. I'm not agreeing either. I think for Natural Born Killers, it's one of those movies that you can't like. If someone says I fucking hate that movie, you say I understand. And if someone says I fucking love that movie, you say I understand. It's really it's just you can't it. So- it so what do I, I qual- Stephanie, what do I qualify as? Because I'm I'm kind of in the middle. Like I didn't hate it. I I think because well let me let me put it this way. When I warned Stephanie <laughs> that, that we were about to watch it, I said, "Listen, this is not a light-hearted film." Oh no! And <laughs> no. It's going to be. I was like, "You have to watch this movie like you are looking through the eyes of." the most fucked up depraved serial killers like Mallory and uh, Mickey. You have to look at that. What you're seeing, the weird angles, the, you know, different colors, See, the 
random fucking commercials is how they view the world because they their whole thing is that what's worse than them the media so throughout all this uh this kaleidoscope of of blood and guts and and rage is little bits of media this was a response to like oj and and um you know the the constant coverage where as Oliver Stone puts it, the media influenced the outcome of of serial killer cases uh, or courtroom cases because there was just widespread coverage and everyone had their opinion. And it was essentially glorifying ser- serial killers like the, you know, the Manson interview with Geraldo is pretty groundbreaking. But should it have been? Do we really need to have like Charles Manson or Dahmer or Bundy or whoever fucking be interviewed and say, well, why did you do what you do? And they, well, they're like, there should not be any validation apart from, well, I'm just sick in the head or, Hey, I like hurting people. There's nearly like, I'm sorry, but if they're trying to blame it on the fucking media, then that's the problem. And that's what this movie was, is that you're watching like the difference between natural born killers and true romance is that you can somewhat identify with the characters, meaning the protagonists of true romance. You should not be able to identify with Mickey and Mallory Knox. That's just not like See, they're, that's the thing. They're, they're different. They're different sides of a very fucked up coin. But I still think you can identify with Mickey and Mallory in some ways. I mean, there are there are plenty of people that that grow up in in that fucked up of a home. Agreed. But that that's and, I mean, and a yes. lot of them do turn into criminals. Maybe not, you know, mass murderers. Right, but but... <laughs> see, see, this is why, like, you and I tend to agree on the movie Joker. Even though you have not seen Joker, you I've told you enough about it. Where it's like, yes, someone who's been tortured, someone who's been abused, someone who just doesn't fucking cannot get through society. But then you're like, okay, well, it was a it was eventual that he was going to snap. The problem isn't that these guys are villains; it's the problem is that they became villains. But they're already villains. You and 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 no point do they really. There's only really one spot where they show any remorse, which is the Indian, as they put it. Yeah, that's it. That's the only part. Whereas throughout True Romance, you feel like they're just trying to have a happy ending. They're not. Oh yeah, that did, no, no, no. The, the, you're right. That's the two sides of the coin there, but between the two right. couples, for sure, no question about that. Um, like, we'll, we'll go back to Natural Born Killers. But I want to. I want so, yeah. more. No, no, that's fine. But I just, yeah. Um, true. No, true romance. I liked. I did. I did. I did enjoy it. I, it, I, um, I, I texted you this, or I said it when we were talking. I don't remember, but this really felt to me. I mean, the the the, the name of the couple's different, so it's not you know true to the word. But I feel like this is what um, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny from the beginning and end of Pulp Fiction ultimately would have been like. It is pretty interesting how in the early to mid nineties, Tarantino was just constantly doing criminal couples. You yeah. Know, you got honey bunny and pumpkin, but they weren't uh, even a primary focus of Pulp Fiction. Really? I mean, they're featured in the beginning and at the end. I mean, that's, that's pretty prominent. Yeah, it's I, not like they just have a small, 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 small role. 
but they're a smaller role in a bigger story. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like that, the, their their part at the end is more about Jules than it is about Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, in my opinion. Sure. You know what I mean? Where and in the beginning, it's just setting the table for that right. sequence at the end. So, like I, mm-hmm. whereas with True Romance and and Natural Born Killers, the 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 onus is on the couple the whole way through. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing you get to a couple, like criminal couple in that in Pulp Fiction and I'm of course making a joke but it's it's Jules and Vincent Vega I mean that's yeah. you know yeah you're you're I mean the Reservoir Dogs is just a giant orgy <laughs> right right <laughs> just doggy style yeah I mean but you're right because even I mean this is in 90s but even Kill Bill even though she's out to kill Bill I mean it starts with the two of them you know I mean, it's it's the biggest fucking divorce ever it's the most brutal way of ending your relationship so i'll give you that the five finger uh, what is it the five i forget what it's called but the thing where exploding heart touch or whatever five finger exploding heart technique yeah yeah that's it um no, five point are, not five finger i think it's a five point because you hit five it's not you yeah you, you're right yeah. five point Wh- whatever man the fucking you know <laughs> i mean a sword would have been just as effective i'm sorry Oh, sure. Sure. You know, she just basically gave him the worst fucking chiropractic adjustment ever. <laughs> She's just like, here, here's some shiatsu. It's here's some um, shit. Anyway. Uh, but true. I mean, like, I remember seeing true. Roman- Steph asked me, when was the last time I saw it? And I said, oh, the first time I saw it, I, said, the fr- I think because I had not known anything about it. And I found it at like a flea market or a yard sale or something on VHS. And I was just, I didn't, didn't even know it was Tarantino or that Tarantino wrote it. I was just captivated by the cast because at the time I didn't know dick about Christian Slater. I had only seen interview with a vampire crap. There's a fuck ton of people in this movie. Like yeah. for real. It's, it's... I mean, it, it, yeah, it wasn't Christian Slater. It wasn't Patricia Arquette that sold it for me. It was everybody else. Yeah, I mean, r- r- rattling it off real quick. It's it. You know, you just said Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer. Who well, I don't remember seeing Val Kilmer anywhere in the film. Well, can you point that out? Because I don't remember seeing him at any point. He's Elvis. See, now I read something else <laughs> that someone else was Elvis. Hold on. Let no, me... no, he, he's he's Elvis, but he's he's labeled in the credits as mentor. No, I get that, but I'm saying when I saw that. Oh, I think I... I think I read it wrong. Okay, I know I read it wrong. Sorry. Anyway, okay, that makes more sense. No, I read it as um, Enzo Rossi was that, mm. and that's the kid from the end. That that's the other that's the other Elvis, right? And Enzo Rossi is Patricia Arquette's actual son. There you go. But um, so g- getting back to the to the cast, but then you got you got Val Kilmer, you got Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Branson Bronson Pinchot, Samuel Jackson, Michael Rappaport, Saul Rubinek. I mean, these are all James Gandolfini. These are Paul Bates. Go. These are all not all huge names, but they're all names did you, you people. Did you say Samuel know. Jackson? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tom, it, Tom Sizemore it, it, for fuck's sake. I mean, who's the only one, to my knowledge, that's in both? Yes, yes, and plays a cop in both, if I'm correct. Yeah, and and in uh, Killers, he plays a character named Scagnetti, and 
that's the funny thing is that Tarantino keeps putting the name Scagnetti in his films and then ultimately cutting it out. Like Scagnetti was supposed to be the cop who is like supposed to deal with all the LA criminals that Tarantino has come up with. Like periodically Tom Sizemore would just show up and be like, Oh fuck, I got to take after these goddamn jewel thieves and that (laughs) or motherfucker. I'm chasing after Marcellus Wallace and shit like that. (laughs) But, but because Tom Sizemore has had such a prolific drug uh, addiction, Tarantino just kept like, Oh fuck you just, God damn it. It just keeps cutting him out. And and not even offering the role, and then that was it. Like Tom Sizemore's career is pretty much done. Um, you know who I left out? Ooh, fucking Christopher Walken. No, no, you said Walken. Did I say Walken? I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah you Walken. said Walken. All right. Um, rumor was that the character of Blue Lou Boyle, that is the mob boss that you right. never see. The rumor was supposed to be uh, it was intended for De Niro. Huh. Which you also end up working with, well, Tarantino didn't make this one anyway, but Tarantino ends up working with him on uh, Jackie Brown, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, so, like, I I saw this VHS tape, went in completely blind, and and more or less completely fell in love with the film, apart from the fucking music. Like, I love Hans Zimmer as a composer, but, like, this weird jingle fucking music that he's got throughout the film... Just it it works for the opening credits and then throughout the film just is super rampant in a negative way for me. It just doesn't feel the right music, which I didn't is think it was that bad personally, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, Steph and I Wolf kind of talked about it and she's like, this music is just doesn't work for this scene where they keep trying to like drill it, which sucks because I love Hans Zimmer as a composer. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm. The dialogue is what sells it for me, and the acting is what sells it for me. Like, I'm not the biggest Walken fan, but Walken is fucking great in this. See, I like Walken just because of Walken, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, Walken, like, you're right. I'm not, I I don't, I like short bursts of Walken, and and you get that in this, you get it in Pulp Fiction, you get it in other things that I've, you get it in Joe Dirt. Like, you don't get a Walken movie, you get these, like, bursts of walking see i like christopher walking when he actually acts when he's doing the walking you know like hey what are you doing ah, you know he's like he's doing his weird right right, like, right come on you know nah, and, you know he's fucked up like just caricature of himself kind of like how pacino and de niro are just caricatures of themselves now it's it's just getting a little tiresome. Like, oh, cool, that's walking. Why the fuck is he in this? What did it's what did you think of him in more... this in this then? Because this feels like he's actually doing that acting, like you talked about. That's what I'm saying. He's phenomenal in this. Like the only other person who I could see going toe to toe with Dennis Hopper, basically being told Sicilians are blankety blank, uh, would be Pacino or De Niro. And even Pesci, but like Pesci at the time was sort of becoming a caricature of himself. I, I would, I would time. say, having seen the film, I said the only one, the only one I think would have fit that besides Walken that it, it was more of origin would be Pacino. I, Pacino I is yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't see De Niro in that. I, I mean, De Niro's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a big fan, but I, I don't see him doing that. If, well, if you keep the dialogue as is, like nothing has changed. The only the only thing that's different is Walken improvised. 
You're a cantaloupe. That's the only improvised line. Well, that, that I don't care about, but I just, I just don't. Yeah. No, no. I'm saying, if, but if you keep that, if you keep the dialogue as is, with Watkins' reactions like "come again" and all that crap, and Dennis Hopper going on his fucking <laughs> racist soliloquy, uh, which, I, yeah, I could see, I could see De Niro. I could see De Niro monologuing the same way that Walken does. And because De Niro is very soft-spoken when he's, I don't know. I could see De Niro doing it. I can also see Pacino. I, I w- but I do acknowledge that Walken probably does it best, which is great for someone who's, you know, what? I think he's like German-Scottish. He's not yeah, all right, Italian. right. Not, yeah. You know, he's not all Sicilian, but he totally fucking, in that moment, you believe that his motherfucking name is Vincenzo Cacati, you know? <laughs> I mean, shit. He made Dennis Hopper look infinitely whiter for somehow. somehow. Yeah, and um, by the way, about the, about the rant, like oh, I didn't. This is, the Sicilian scene. Yeah, I don't. I I honestly feel like I feel like that was done. Um, how do I put this? I felt that was I. I don't feel like that's how that character actually felt. I felt like that was you know like I felt like he he just was digging at. Kakati more than anything like he just he knew this fact you know no no because there's been other films where Tarantino whether Tino's written and or director just written where first off we we both and you and you and OC talked about it extensively but his love of that word that we're not gonna say but he he in this one and maybe it's just Hopper's delivery I'm not sure but it doesn't feel like the way it's typically used in a Tarantino film where it's just being used and thrown around or whatever. Like this felt deliberate to just get at it is, but, but not because the characters, the character delivering it is racist, but, but he knew that that would just piss him off. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Um, to give you the, for those who have not seen true romance, uh, the basic premise is that Christian Slater and Patricia Charquette, she is a call girl, and she eloquently puts it, not a hooker. There's a difference, you know, and I, I don't know what the difference is. Uh, I do, but that's okay. I mean, I, okay. Does a, Do call girls have pimps? Because um, Possibly, but they don't tend to, they don't walk up and down the, the block. That's okay, your, so that's your... call girl, meaning you, so basically, from what I understand, a call girl is you call the pimp, and then you get the hooker. Basically, yeah. Okay, or, so yeah. it's fucking Boober Eats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Hub Grub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, CJ's dying. He muted his mic. He's dying. Oh, shit. I think I killed him. Are you all right? Fuck you. <laughs> he waited, y'all, for me to take a drink of water. I thought you were done. I, no, I, I, I had you... just swallowed. I had just put it in my mouth. That sounds worse so, than I meant it. So in Alabama, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so fuck. they they fucking meet. They you know, and then they fall in love, and then they get married the next day. They just fall fucking madly in love. I thought it was like two over two or three days total, but no. 
No, 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 they get married the next day. They're they're fucking like they they ha- they fuck in his apartment and they have like a little like monologue to, or a dialogue, and then th- they just get married and then get ink, and then they ink each other. That's how fucking committed they are. They're like, well, this may not work. Like, nope, we're fucking inking. Yeah, you know our each other's names on you know, and now Alabama has a pimp played. Like he's only in the movie like what a combined ten minutes, but About fuck that. me, yeah. He like sets the fucking bar. Gary Oldman plays, uh, oh fuck, uh, Drexel. Yep, Drexel Spivey, and he is a white guy with a fucked up scarred face, and he. Has dreadlocks. Listen, and he... yeah, by the way, after your rant about Cameron from fucking House Party, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, here's the difference. Cameron doesn't scare me. Well, yeah, duh. But I mean. If I had Gary Oldman pretending to be a fucking black guy who actually legit. The thing is, is he thinks he's black. I yeah. think Cameron deep deep down knows he's not black. Well, yeah. But Gary Oldman's character is so fucking insane that he's just like, he, like if someone said like, "Oh, you people," he's like, "What you mean, you people, motherfucker?" Like he would be that guy. Yeah. And not unlike Robert Downey Jr. also playing an Australian pretending to be a black guy. <laughs> right. This goes all full circle. Um, it was. Yeah. I gotta say though, it was weird seeing Paul Bates in that role. Which role? Oh, the the uh, the the muscle. Yeah, like that. I I mean, with all respect to Paul Bates, I've now seen him in two films. Three. I'm sorry, three. three. See, <laughs> here's the crazy thing: is I didn't recognize Paul Bates till after you and I did the coming to America deep dive, and then rewatching this, I'm like, oh my fucking! It's 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 Oha. Where the fuck his name is? Ahu. Uh, Oha. Yeah. Oha. Uh, fuck. He's in I've Eight seen, Mile. As who? Manny. Who the fuck is Manny? I don't know, but I almost need to like go watch Eight Mile now to fucking find out. Oh, what... it's his boss. That's Paul Bates. That's Paul Bates. That's gotta be Paul Bates. There's only, there's only like, like a heavy set black guy. I mean, like I know it's Eight he... Mile, but like I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's his boss, like he the the one that Eminem flips off behind his back, and he says, "You've been doing good here, you know that guy." Yeah, that's Paul Bates. It's got to be. I'm about to pause this shit so we can go find I'm about, Eight dude, Mile. I feel like I need to rewatch Eight Mile later. Oh man. Anyways, um, I mean, so uh, I'm trying with, to I'm with, trying to give the people who have not seen this some, re- some really background. quick, just really quick. With respect to Paul Bates, the dude's done a lot of shit. I've just never seen a lot of it, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. and a lot of it's TV work. He's done a lot of TV work. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have sang that fucking song in in yeah, right, <laughs> coming to America. Anyways, anyways, uh, so Christian Slater, at the urging of his imaginary fucking friend. Elvis urges him to go to the get the you know to go basically kill uh the pimp and basically you know make sure that there's this there's one person who's never going to fucking come after Alabama ever again and he okay spoilers he fucking shoots the pimp but in the process gets his ass handed to him and 
when he leaves and grabs a bag, what he thinks is uh, full of Alabama's co- uh, clothes, it's actually well, a to be suitcase fair, full of cocaine. To be fair, the woman actually, or one of the other girls, because he says one of the other girls, give me Alabama stuff, and she hands him that suitcase. She goes under the bed and pulls out a bag. She mm. was kind of in panic mode and says, here's no, a suitcase. No, of course, mother, but I'm just saying, it. yeah. So now they realize they've got a whole bunch of fucking uncut cocaine from the mafia. And what they don't realize is that his license is in uh, Marty's, uh, Manny, whatever, the Marty, Marty's hand when he shoots him. So now the mafia is fucking coming after them, unbeknownst to them. And they're trying to go from Detroit to Hollywood to try and sell the coke uh, in one giant batch, you know, sell it to a rich Hollywood producer, basically uh, based on Joel Silver and Harvey Weinstein. That's who he's t- that that producer's based on, which is pretty funny. <clears throat> so in the middle of all this, um, I, I see. Here's the thing. I I think True Romance is a great film, but it stops being great right when everybody is in that hotel when when the final uh crux i actually the culmination of everything i only have one problem with that scene really the rest of the rest of it i'm fine with but i only have one problem with that scene Uh but go ahead finish your point i want to i i i just feel like it kind of gets a little weak at the very end uh during the mexican standoff it just seems a little too Ridiculous, because th- throughout the whole film, it's a lot of slow burning tension building of, you know, what's going to happen to Clarence in Alabama. And then everybody who's been trying to get to a- Clarence in Alabama is all in the same fucking room pointing guns at each other because it's Tarantino. It, for me, it just kind of dips a little. Um, I was going to bring up the Sicilian scene for context because I want to answer your question, but if you had something else to say. Well, no, I just I just didn't like that. He, I, I don't think based... I mean, like, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. But um, I, he... Where'd he get shot? I don't think he would have lost his eye. I I was a little confused about that. It looked like he was straight up shot in the head. It, at first, yeah, but then it then it looked like it like grazed his head right by the eyebrow, so like right. it definitely would have it would definitely would have knocked him his, his ass down and potentially knocked him out briefly, sure, but I don't think he would have lost the eye. It made it seem like all the blood that was in his eye actually like killed his eye. Is sort of what the um, it almost because his, well, there's a lot of blood going in his eye. Again, I only play a doctor on TV, but as far as I know, I don't think that's how that works. So. I don't. I don't know enough, but I guarantee Tarantino knows even less. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just found Manny. By the way, that's definitely Paul Bates. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, as they are about to leave Detroit, they stop to visit Christian Slater's dad, played by Dennis Hopper. Which I have to say, I'm always a fan of when movies cast actors that look like it's believable that they are related. Christian Slater and Dennis Hopper do not look no. exactly alike. If they wanted to be completely accurate, it would have been Jack Nicholson, but, you know, whatever. But, you know, you take unless, Jack Nicholson and you put him like, in a washer, you get fucking Dennis Hopper. Unless he looks like mom. Well, Stephanie put that out. But I, I still said that they look enough like where it's believable that they're father and son. Yeah. 
So Dennis Hopper, you know, they have a little exchange. They fucking fuck off. And then Dennis Hopper comes back to his trailer and he's greeted by the fucking mafia led by the mafia is Christopher Walken who, and here's what I was going to, what I was leading to. He knows he's about to be tortured and killed. He knows he's not. Oh yeah. He flat out fucking knows that. Yeah. He, you know, he just, and you see him have that look of understanding where Watkins is like, you know, tell me where they are. And, you know, maybe you might actually walk out of here with, you know, with all your limbs intact or whatever the fuck he says. And you see this look of, of Hopper just slowly nodding his head, understanding, and he has a small little grin on his face. What? Oh, not that. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I'm looking up something for. I'm listening, but I'm also looking up something for 8 Mile, and it did not fucking occur to me that the main foil in that fucking movie is Falcon. Did not put that together at all. You That's... didn't know that... Why do you think when Falcon and Winter Soldier were coming out, everyone's like, this guy's an Avenger? His real name is Clarence! I didn't hear... Where's that at? That's That's been the meme running around every, like for. Oh, ever. I haven't seen it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, dude, they've been giving fucking... They've been giving him shit... He's like, you think you're a superhero? Your real name is Clarence. And Clarence's parents live have a real good marriage. No, like, miss, like, miss that completely. Holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Uh, he said that he gets more people yelling eight mile at him than he does Avengers. And that it. and Million Dollar Baby. Those are the, like, he gets that and then he gets Falcon. And even then they say, hey, yo, Black Falcon. He's like, no, I'm not Black Falcon. It's just Falcon, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. So. Sorry. So Hopper realizes that he's he's definitely not walking out of this room. And here's the thing. Italians and Sicilians especially, especially mafiosi Italians, are pretty fucking racist. They don't like black people. Um, I, I, it's one of, the, one of the rare things of my genealogy that I'm really fucking disgusted with. The majority of Italians, well, I don't, I don't want to say the majority of Italians, but it's not uncommon for Italians to be flat out racist to black people. It's not so specifically Asians or Mexicans. It's really black people. And it's really frustrating. And Dennis Hopper knows this or Dennis Hopper's character, not Dennis Hopper. Yeah, I see him. That's him. Um, so he gives this walk in, starts the whole thing saying that Sicilians are the world's greatest liars. And that, Hopper is doing a lot of fucking, you know, telling, but he's telling him bullshit, but he's showing, you know, through his mannerisms and his, you know, his facial tics that he's lying through his teeth. So Hopper gives this fucking monologue about how Sicilians are spawned by fill in the blank word. Right. And because he says, no, 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 see, I'm, I love history. I soak that shit up. And, and he gives this whole fucking thing about how the Moors conquered Sicily and did so much fucking to Sicilian women that they changed the bloodline forever. And that Sicilians back in the day were like, as he puts it, wops from Northern Italy. (laughs) Yes, he does. I actually like that he pulled out the um, the blonde hair, blue eyed line too. Yep. Just to, that's that extra, just mm-hmm. fuck you line right there. Because he's not wrong. No, and I, that's, I yeah, and that's the key. That's the oomph in that. As he says, now 
am I lying? And Walken, who's just staring at him with a slight grin on his face, has this look of like, no, you're not lying. You're telling me the truth, which is, which sucks. And he gets so, he's like, oh, I love this guy. This guy's great. He just grabs a gun and shoots him in the head and says, I haven't killed anybody since 1984. And just shoots him repeatedly in the head. So yes, it is a complete fuck you and a dig, but he's telling the truth. And that's the real thing is that Walken can't, can't be pissed off. He's like, oh, you're just being an asshole. It's like, no, you're fucking being an asshole. And you gave me a true history lesson. <laughs> God damn it. God and damn the, it. Well, I don't know if you saw it, but in for some reason on my VHS, co- uh, my VHS copy and my DVD copy I had, after he shoots Hopper, one of the henchmen goes to another henchman and says, what happened? But they don't. But in the tape and DVD, they supply the subtitles of what they're saying in Italian. But for some reason on HBO, it just says speaking Italian. They don't explain what they're saying. I, so, I, well, I didn't have the subtitles on, and I don't recall that part, to be honest with you. Well, a guy says, Kisuche, which is what happened. And he says, oh, this guy said that, you know, uh, Sicilians were spawned by blankety blank. So Don Vincenzo shot him. And the guy says, eh. Like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let's move on. Um, yep. <laughs> so... That is like the movie is great. I understand why people love that movie, but everyone kind of unanimously agrees that the Sicilian scene is the best part of uh, that is the pure, true Tarantino scene out of the whole film. The the only I thing that rivals that is is Spivey, is Drexel. I I disagree. I think I think there's a lot of Tarantino. I think there's more Tarantino in true. I I think there's a lot more in True Romance than people think. You know because I. I think the scene in the phone booth is very Tarantino. You misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying there's always that quote unquote Tarantino scene that is in all of his movies. There's the Royale cheese. There's the, the opening scene in Reservoir Dogs. There's the, there was, there was a scene that, because this was written before Pulp Fiction. There's a scene, you know, he, he redoes in Pulp Fiction. It's twisted. But it's very Tarantino. Do you, do you know this, what I'm referring to or no? A, this is the best goddamn burger I've ever had. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a, yeah. This is... I was waiting for when he took the bite. When, when Christian Slater takes the bite out of that burger and he starts chewing and he, he makes this like happy facial expression. I was waiting for the line. <gasps> this is a tasty burger. Now, he doesn't say it that way, but it's, it might as well be... He, he says, best goddamn burger I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I mean, but it, it might as well be. I mean, if if you know if Tarantino made this movie, especially after, he, like, if he made them in the opposite order and made Pulp Fiction first, that mm. would have been the line when Christian Slater bit into that burger. It would have been in a fucking big kahuna. It would have been a big kahuna burger. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he'd just been like, uh, what's the biggest, baddest burger you have? He's like, oh, the one with the pineapple. Oh, give well, me two of those Well, that's a different boys. scene. That's later in the movie, but. I know, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, um, not to mention Samuel Jackson is very briefly in this fucking movie. Which, yeah, like, I don't. Because it wasn't directed by Tarantino. This was, this was like the first. No, but I still don't get, that's what I'm saying. Like, I did some of the choice, I get that he didn't film it. I, I'm with you, but I don't get some of the choices anyway for. You know, well, Samuel like, Jackson wasn't Samuel Jackson at this point. Well, he was about to be. He was going right. to be. 
<laughs> he was gonna be. I mean, he he had been in a period like periodic films, but at the time, Samuel Jackson was a an up and coming character actor. I mean, right. I mean, what really capitalized him to stardom was Pulp Fiction. So anything before that is just oh, there's is that holy shit? That's Samuel Jackson. Who knew he had hair at one point? You know. <laughs> Um, I guess. And he, yeah. he he gives like the best like he's like I eat the pussy I eat the I eat the butt I eat every motherfucking thing <laughs> like oh, yeah. talking yeah. about talk, in the same sense that like Italians are racist against black people for some reason black people don't want to admit out loud that they eat pussy like See, they'll wait a do minute. it before before I mean forget I mean we always you my immediate going to is you know um. Coming to America, where he plays the the robber, but like right. he was in School Days, he was in Do the Right Thing, he was in, but he wasn't Samuel Jackson. He was just an actor. He was not big a role, superstar. So. He wasn't even a star. He was an actor. All right. I mean, it's it, there's there's that catalyst of like, oh yeah, that's that's that guy. What's his name? And then oh my god, it's Samuel Jackson. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you when you first saw Samuel Jackson in Phantom Menace, you were like, what the fuck is Samuel Jackson doing in this? But you knew who he was. It wasn't like, isn't that the guy from fucking Pulp Fiction? What the fuck is he doing in this? <laughs> that's the difference. And then when he shows up at the end of Iron Man, you're like, oh, shit, that Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury. Yeah, at that point, you're like, that's not even Samuel Jackson. That's Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other film that like Samuel Jackson was in where it's like a hit and miss and you're like, huh, that's Samuel Jackson was Goodfellas. Because a lot of people forget that. A lot of people forget yeah. that he was in Goodfellas. But I mean, he's also a menace to society. He's in True yeah. Romance. Oh, True Romance. We're talking about he's in Jurassic Park before well, Patriot Jurassic Games. Park, Jurassic Park and True Romance came out the same year. Yeah, but so I'm, saying before, I'm saying before Pulp Fiction. I'm saying. Oh, that's well, I mean, he wasn't the biggest fucking part of. Jurassic Park. No, I mean the arguably the the if if you're staring at the actors and not the dinosaurs, you're watching the movie wrong. <laughs> you know he he's he's where I'll give you he's primarily in African American films or what's considered to be African American films up to that point. You know, with the exception yeah. of Goodfellas, um, because it's all like do the well, right I, thing I mean, and 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 Mo Butter Blues and. Jungle Fever. Well, technically, as Tarantino yeah. established, shouldn't Goodfellas be considered an African African American film? Sure. If all Italians were were birds from black people, then technically Goodfellas is just as fucking dad's, jive as Eight Mile. Dad's that's not that's not wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just gonna call it good fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I don't know. I'm just I'm just you know looking at. You know, I I just I think he's pep like he was put in one scene specifically to make it to make us laugh, like trying to find a, a role for Samuel Jackson in that movie, like because the majority of, of the cast is prominently white. Yes. Yes. So he could have been. The cop. He could have been one of the cops. You could have taken away Tom Sizemore or Chris Penn. True. And had just a, a guy who happens to be black and a cop. Um, he could have been one of the bodyguards for the movie producer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which it's so funny that we 
because I just rewatched. I showed Stephanie the Beverly Hills Cop movies, and to see Bronson, uh, Bronson Pinchot, Pinchot, is so like, and then see him do the opposite of Aquaman is is so fucking, you know, when he's doing the opposite of Serge. If you really want to go watch him be Balky, the thing he's most known for. I've seen clips. You know, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Bronson uh, Pinochet I'll, fan. I, I was I was a big fan of Perfect Strangers. So mm-hmm. I, I watched the hell out of that show when it was airing. I, I think he's perfectly cast in this film, um, especially when he's like getting head from a hooker call. Girl. No, I think I it's I think it was just some random girl like I don't or some like uh, like an intern or something. I don't think it was that. Okay, well, he's getting head from a woman. Yeah. And he's got a whole bunch of, like, a bag of cocaine. Not even, like, a little baggie, but a fucking bag. Yeah. Like, you could fit a Subway sandwich in this fucking bag. Well, no, I don't think it was that big, but it was a... It was big! It was a sandwich bag, not a Subway sandwich bag. Okay, it was a half a Subway sandwich bag. It's like a quarter of a Subway sandwich bag. (laughs) Fuck Subway. I hate Subway. Anyway... I don't like Subway sandwiches. I think they're terrible. I I think when you don't have a whole lot of other options out in the Bay Area, they're it's, they're not bad. I think it all depends on how you order your sandwiches. Mm, no, I think they're just terrible. I mean, I did you hear that? Like, actually, it's, it's not even, the bread is not considered bread. It's it's essentially cake because all the sugar that's in the bread. Thank Does it constitute as being bread? There you go. That's that's why you know I add extra mustard to cut out the sugar. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um. Bag of cocaine. Bronson Bag Pinchot of cocaine getting blown. And, and fucking cops pull him over and she busts it in his face and he's got he looks like he <laughs> for a brief moment he looks like he's uh, Tony Montana's son. Yeah. You know just um. And he has this great delivery. The cop goes up to the door. He just goes, hi. Like, his face is just covered in snow. He's just yeah. Like, hi. Hi. Um, How great would it have been if he had actually broken into Beverly Hills Cop role? That, you know, Aquil! Yeah, he's just like, uh, he's like, sir, do you understand why I pulled you over? No, I cannot! <laughs> you, know, you, know who, you know who reminds me of that character, too? Not to get way off base, but the... Uh, the brief cameo Jeremy Piven has in Rush Hour Two, I think it is. Very, I, I agree. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, and we said you can't, you would not be able to do that scene now. Oh no, no, probably not. It's it's a little too like that stereotype is like there are some people that do that and sound like that, but but it's yeah. Well, I think I think I think cast someone who's legit. Gay, I think I think that. the role I, I I think it's not as bad with Piven as it would be if they were to do Beverly Hills Cop now. That would be worse, honestly. I think. But that's just... Well, I think it wouldn't be Piven because Piven's got some allegations against him. So Well, I mean, that aside, like I'm just saying from the acting well, job the acting job aside, just just to Well pure... the rumor is is that they're making a Beverly Hills Cop four. So we may see fucking uh Sarge. Yeah, you may say you may, you may. Um, anyways, um, did you recognize the big blonde bodyguard for the Hollywood producer? I don't know his name, but yes, I, I, 
I, I do recognize, I've seen him in other stuff, but I can't think, I don't know his name, yeah. yeah. I can name two movies that I know for sure you recognize him in. Number one, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Okay, so that's John, Little John, yep, okay. Yep. And then he was also the big, he, he's the big gay dancer in American Wedding that uh, Stifler has to dance off with. Yeah, he's also in, he's also, um... <clears throat> I think I think he's in Face Off with Travolta and Nick Cage, or he's in one of those type films. He's like a. You, you might be right. It's been a while since I've seen that particular. Film. I don't know if it, I, I might be wrong about Face Off, but it's one of those style films. And I think he's I think he's also in Johnny Mnemonic, but he's like a it's like a bit part. Like it's it's like this. I still have not just, seen it. So. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like he's he's in he's in a lot of those you know, movies, it's, it, it's either that or it might be Escape from L.A. It's, you know, one of those types. He's a heavy. He's, he's always a heavy. a heavy, yeah. He's like, um, he, he, he's like, it, it's not, not from, not from the same, um, um, background, but, uh, who's that, that guy we always, we say is always in those, if you needed an Asian guy in the 80s, you just went and got this guy. He's, oh, the guy who's always in Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and shit. Yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. I I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but like, same mm. thing. If you needed a big Aryan looking motherfucker, you grab this dude. And like, as a if you needed a Aryan henchman, that's the guy you grabbed for like sure. the mid nineties. That's just his thing. Um, it's interesting to see the the actors that are in this film because they they all do the Tarantino dialogue beautifully well. But then a lot of them don't come back for like, hey, Tarantino did like, like they don't come back to do other shit. Well, Tarantino the, didn't like, direct the, it, though. No, but you know that Tarantino is keeping his eye on it. He's like, who can convincingly do my dialogue so, well? Right. So let me let me ask you that because you you went on this um, soliloquy at the beginning about how much he hated um, Natural Born Killers. Well, he also allegedly he said he's never seen it. So, okay. Well, but, but but he said he hated the fact what Oliver Stone did to his film. That's what I mean. So, okay. what does he think of this? Do you know? Is that is that known? My understanding is he that he thoroughly he enjoyed what Tony Scott did. Um, he the only thing he's talked about is that he likes. Uh, I think the original the ending is different. That originally Clar- uh, Clarence actually does die, mm. but he said. But Tony Scott changed that because he says we are rooting for these fucking people. We are. Kinda, rooting for I them. would. I honestly remember thinking when you know, having seen it for the first time, wondering if he's. You know, I'm wondering if he's dead too. And I remember thinking to myself, if they kill this guy, it just destroys the whole film. Like to me, Agreed. it would have. It would have killed the whole movie. You know. Agreed. You know, for for this context. It, 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 this is a fairy tale ending. They need to fucking be together. They need a happy ending, right? Because here's the thing, right? And so this is my take, brief synopsis of the whole fucking film, is that Clarence. First off, I I wish we'd gotten a little more, little more of background on Clarence. Like it literally was at the bar, rejected, Sunny Chiba Marathon, comic book store, sex, and then on this adventure. Like there's not. It's pretty rapid fire going through, like you know what I mean. I don't know. I I well, you have you. I I look at that as it. It's semi autobiographical. Clarence is semi autobiographical on Quentin Tarantino. Both Tarantino and and Clarence are obsessed with Elvis. Uh, they also 
I, it's not public. It's not hugely knowledgeable, but Tarantino is a comic book fan. Oh, I knew. That. I knew that, but yeah, yeah, but he doesn't fucking drill it in his movies. He might make a very sly reference here and there. Sure, um, you know, a, a Peter Parker reference or some shit, but ultimately he doesn't. Um, the I would view Clarence as everything that Quentin at the time wished he was someone who accepted the fact that like, Hey, there's this guy who just loves watching Kung Fu movies or, and, and Elvis and blah, blah, blah. He was basically writing, Oh man, would the perfect, I would never get the perfect woman for me because who likes what I like. Right. Right. Quentin Tarantino has the weirdest fucking hobbies and interests. You know, um, so I think that's what it was. I think to go back to your first question, I think he liked your romance. I think and he ultimately agreed with Tony Scott is like, it, yeah, you can't kill off Clarence if you're, it, you know, based on this. They're they're supposed to be together. It's supposed to be a happy ending. Um, I, That being said, I don't know what the fuck. I mean, because. Natural Born Killers, quote unquote, has a happy ending as well, at least well, for them. Well, I mean, but I, so so getting back to the synopsis that I was going to give, like, I, I think. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. Go no, for it. it's all right. I think it's very simple. I think he meets he. He meet he meets Alabama, even though it might have been planned, for lack of a better word, not, you know, mm-hmm. for by him, but by his. Actually, I got to I got. Gotta tell you, Rico, for a hot minute, it made me think of you and Joe, if you were single. Like, that's some shit Joe would have done. No, Joe would never have done that. All right, well, that's that's what I thought. But anyway. No, my, you know, absolutely not. He, he, he uh, if anything, it would be the way around. I'd get him one. <laughs> but anyway. I'd be really pissed off. I wasted all that money. But anyway, he... He he meets he meets Alabama. They 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 fall in love for lack of a better you know. Because I I, que- I question about how in love they are, but whatever, you know. They're willing to kill and pro- to protect each other. That's true. That's true. So anyway, they fall. They meet. They meet. They fall in love, and he he has that momentary snap of. Oh, do you fucking love him? You know, like, just, like, how do I, you know, how do I get rid of it? No, no, not even that, but it's like, how do I get rid of this guy? Like, how do I get this guy out of her life? And so he has that momentary snap and goes over and deals with it. And then, like, he, he's not out to be this big cocaine dealer is my point. Like, he, if he had gotten her clothes and gone home with her clothes, that would have been enough. Like, you know. He went there to kill. Right, but I'm saying that once he got her clothes and got home, that would have been it. Like, he would have been, they right. would have just moved on with their lives. Like, he, the only reason why they go on the rest of his adventures is because they get the wrong fucking suitcase and he sees an opportunity that, yeah, you know. Um, whereas, whereas, you know, just by comparison, Mickey, Mickey and Mallory are just fucking batshit crazy. Right. Like, I, I think Clarence might be slightly ill, just because of you know the hallucinations of Elvis, but because like I, I I believe he actually sees that shit, or at least hears the voice in his head, if nothing else. I interpret it as Elvis, the mentor, disappears once he and Alabama have their own kid. Like what he he, the mentor is there to help guide him through. Well, life. you only see him twice in the movie, right? But I would 
my my theory is that now that he's happy and he's settled with a kid and a wife, he doesn't need Elvis anymore. He's got his own Elvis sure. that he can mentor. Literally. I I have to give Val Kilmer credit because you never see his face full on. But he sounded a lot like Elvis. And this was like Val Kilmer was the go-to guy. Like, hey, you need you need someone to play a dead rocker? Fucking Val Kilmer's your man. <laughs> because never in a million years could I say, oh, the same person who can convincingly play Jim Morrison could also convincingly play Elvis Presley. Because and he they're got not all method like, on that Jim Morrison stuff. Hips. And he got method on that Jim Morrison stuff. Like, way he, method. He, Dude, he kicked the doors down. That's how fucking method he went. Yeah. He broke on through to the other side. <laughs> uh, he went full on strange. I don't know. Um, uh, um, <laughs> he he looked night, at everybody. the other band members and he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, not touch me, babe. Good night, everybody. Um, um, yeah. Oh, I, ha- I have to. One of my. It's really a fucked up scene. But can we talk about how kind of astoundingly evil. Uh, James Gandolfini was. Yeah, but he's always. Yeah, but that was also a very early thing. That was that was pre Sopranos. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, how unknown was James Gandolfini? I think he was the last credited in the opening credits. I believe like he was. No, he's he was in very a, he's... luckily credited in the opening credits. He well, I don't know if he's last credit because he's in a pack of three. Like there's three names on screen and his was like the middle one or something like okay, that. Okay, so he's yeah. the second to last. So uh but I I thought he was like you watch that and he's he's slender. He's at his he's at his slimmest for what James Gandolfini was. And he's got hair and he's still kind of like charming but in a really kind of sinister way. And you watch it, you like, there's no fucking wonder that he was going to be Tony Soprano. Because I heard rumors that like Ray Liotta was supposed to be fucking Tony Soprano first. And you watch it, you're like, nope. It's his third, it's his third credited. um, That's great. The only one that he he was in, the only one, the only one he was in that you might be interested in before that he wasn't credited. He was in the last Boy Scout, but he wasn't credited. Really? Because I just watched that. He's one of Mark. Is it Marconi? Is that how you say the name? Or Marconis? Mar- Marconi? Yeah. Or no, Marconis is. It's M A R C O C O N E S. So I don't know if it's Marcones or Marconi. Yeah. Marconis, I believe. I mean, or Marcones. Anyway, it's one of yeah. his henchmen, uncredited. Well, if he, if then he's like in the fucking background, you can barely see him. Because I I just watched that and I was like, I at no point did I remember seeing. Fucking the Gans. Gans. <laughs> um, and and what I I mean the the fight scene between Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette is really fucking heartbreaking and hard to watch. Yeah, because he doesn't just slap her around; he fucks her up. Yes, he does. And for someone who is not a fan, and I could speak for both of us, yep, watching a woman get brutalized on screen is really fucking hard. In comparison. When Scagnetti, when Tom Sizemore fucking strangles that prostitute in Natural Born Killers, I skipped ahead. I fast forwarded. The only reason why I didn't fast forward through True, True Romance is because Alabama fucks up him. She That's gets her. She gets her revenge things. by the end of that. Yeah. And it's dude. She, dude. She screwed him. 
<laughs> she fucking took that corkscrew <laughs> and fucking screwed his ass and set his ass on fire. But there's like through all that anarchy that is the fight between them, there's two things that Gandolfini does, which I'm like, oh man, it's so deliciously fucking evil. When he tells her to turn around slowly and then punches her, and he has this look where he looks up sideways, like, oh me. Like, I, that's me. I just punched a woman. <laughs> he has that weird look. And then she fucking breaks a fucking Elvis statue over his head. Yeah. <laughs> and he, it barely phases him. And he just looks at her with this, the, the fucking look. Yeah. Like, the look. And he just says, all right, no more fucking Mr. Nice Guy. And you hear her go, oh, God. Like, she like all that she was already fucking knock silly and now she's just like oh shit this is definitely but, she, but you're right bad. she gets him good like like especially when she pulls out the corkscrew and he's like all right go ahead i'll give you a free shot go ahead dig it in and he's expecting her to like go at his face or the chest or something where he'll be able to like block it and she figures that shit out and she's like nope right through the top of the foot just and he pinned his ass yeah uh i mean that was very stupid on his part. I mean, he made a lot of stupid choices. I mean, he even, like, he's sitting on a chair, and he just punched the shit out of her, and he just realizes, like, wait a minute. Is it, did you put it on, did you put the Coke under the bed? And she's like, uh-huh. Like, just kind of like, you stupid fuck. It's been there the whole time. And he's like, God damn it, I'm getting old. I can't believe I did not check under the fucking bed. I can't believe you put it under the bed. I can't believe I didn't check under the fucking bed. And then you know, he pulls out his gun, and like he could have just ended it right there. But you, you know, you know he who he, he reminded me a little bit of. Have you ever seen the Mexican? Yeah, that character he plays in the Mexican, yeah, is very similar. Except there's, there, I mean, there's some there's some distinct differences, but they're very similar. It's like it felt. There- there's a softerness of his character in the Mexican. Oh, he's for still sure, a brutal fuck, for, but yeah, he's for sure, softer. I mean, uh-huh. the, the the difference. Well, it, it's almost like, like I said earlier about how this might be like a sequel for, like a backdoor sequel for, or a prequel for, um, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if we were doing the same thing, that's definitely like a backdoor. It's like the prequel to the character he plays in the Mexican. It's like it's like at that point he's gotten older. Like obviously he's dead, so it can't be. But I'm he saying, dies like, in both of them. But oh, spoiler for Mexican. Um, yeah, but but I'm saying like it's it's the point is that he um it's like a softer like wiser version of the same character like it's it's like sure. if the character grew up you know and he does a similar thing in um uh get shorty because he plays yeah, that a, I a, seen. A, a, he plays a stunt man who's also a, a bodyguard um. Gandolfini, man, like that, that one hurt me. I was such, I am such a big fan, not just of of Tony Soprano, but all of his work that he's done that I've seen. He's he's a good actor. He was a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, he, he died. He was only 50 or 51. I mean, you looked at his size. You're like, I mean, I get it, but it was just a lot. Yeah, But I mean, with all, with all respect, it's not, he wasn't as big as like Farley or. No, he was. He definitely was. was. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he once had this quote saying, because he does he didn't his uh, on screen personas was nothing like his 
you know, off screen, off screen personality. He said, I'm like a 260 pound Woody Allen. And then he, he said, you know, I've said that quote over the years, but now you could say I'm a 340 pound Woody Allen. Mm. Like he got, he got big, he got heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, but I mean, he, he actually was a whole lot slimmer in real life than what people wanted him to be. He actually slimmed down at, naturally. And then the producers of like, uh, Sopranos and all the movies that he did, they're like, no, no, we want you fat and angry. We want you like a bear. We don't want a skinny Tony. We don't want a skinny mob boss. We want big and hulking. And ironically, he ended up playing a bear in the Mexican. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Um, speaking of the Mexican, the the uh, the star of the Mexican is fucking Brad Pitt. I didn't I didn't get that. Like I was looking at Brad's uh, IMDb, and he was big enough at that point that he could have been not just. I think he chose it because of how funny it was. He, that, yeah, he likes those. He 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 realizes who he is, and he plays the big roles like you know, like Rusty Ryan and and the guy in the Mexican, and and you know, and Mr. Smith from John. Like he plays those roles right. from Mr. And Mrs. Smith and whatever. But then he also does like those little quirky ones, like this, or like the Vanisher in Deadpool Two, where he's on screen for all of what like. Ten That's seconds, perfect. if that. And no, 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 an eighth of a second. Yeah, it's it's fucking ridiculous. So, um, he, I think Brad Pitt has a sense of humor. I don't. I think he knows deep down he's not a great actor. He's a great movie star, but he's not a great actor. I think he's okay. So, no, I think he thinks that he's oh. not a great actor. Okay. I don't. I personally think when he does the the role justice, he's fine. But like when he tries to act, it comes off a little fucking ridiculous. Right. I.e., what's in the box? Oh God, what's in the box? Yeah, that's ah. that's not so good. I have to give you that. But you know, um, I honestly think that him playing Floyd was literally just him, just stoned, and they just happened to film him. You really because think he was I... stoned? You think he was legit? Oh yeah, Brad Pitt's a huge stoner. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, I didn't absolutely. know that. Oh my god, he's such a hardcore stoner. Dude, I knew, I knew that's why Angel that's why Angelie Jolie left his ass. I thought it was drinking, not uh yeah, I was drinking and fucking oh. smoking tons of pot. Like when <laughs> I knew Woody when Quinn, you know. Yeah. Woody's but, yeah. Yeah, but Woody's not married to Angie, so No, he wasn't. Um when when Quentin Tarantino went to meet Brad Pitt to have him uh, uh, to discuss him going into Inglorious Bastards in the middle of their audition or uh, their meeting. And I mean, like he flew out to like Paris or something because I think they had a house and uh, a place in Paris. Brad Pitt just fucking pulls out like a carrot and just whittles himself a pipe. Like he made a fucking vegetable weed pipe <laughs> and just, or it was like an apple or something, or it, it was just like, sure. It just he's like fuck like I, he's Brad Pitt. You think he can't afford a fucking pipe? He's like, no, man, it's organic. <laughs> fuck you, dude. And he like whittled out a fucking peace pipe and, and fucking smoked the apple core or whatever the fucking zucchini, and like got baked. He you know like baked apples. And <laughs> he got high as apple pie. <laughs> so yeah, Brad Pitt is is definitely a hardcore stoner. <laughs> um. 
The funny thing is, is that the character of Floyd is the one who brings everybody together because yeah. they all go to his fucking house. He's just like, hey, man, you want to smoke a bowl? Oh, yeah, he's at the blah, blah, blah hotel. And and you look at him, you're like, how the fuck do you remember that? <laughs> how do you know anything of what's happening in front yeah. of you? Yeah. Um, but the, the fucking cool thing is, is that he is obviously the inspiration for Pineapple Express. Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg watched True Romance and they said, how fucking great would a movie be if Floyd just got up from the couch and went outside <laughs> and had his own adventure? Because you look at Pineapple Express, it's basically like uh, James Franco's character is essentially Floyd. Long haired stoner hippie. I've never seen it. You watch that movie like sometime within the next couple months, and you'll be thinking Brad Pitt the entire time. Like all this dude did was just get up from the couch. It's the same fucking thing. It's so fucking funny. That is funny. Um, if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over. The new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today at our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Okay, have we have we uh, have we deep dive our true romance enough? Or I, I mean, I think so. I think so. Okay. So, uh, the the most lighthearted Rodney Dangerfield movie ever made. <sighs> Jesus, let me ask Christ. you. Yeah, how did you feel about that? Because even the Rodney's whole like, thing is just like, yeah, you're you're not comfortable. The whole the whole that's what I'm saying. Like. I, you know, Tarantino made, you know, Oliver Stone may have made a lot of changes and kept the dialogue, but there's a lot of things that felt very Tarantino in this film to me beyond like, the dialogue. You know, like, like the, like Mallory dancing to the jukebox in the beginning, that felt very Tarantino to me. 
Well, it would have been know, Tarantino if you only just saw her feet. But yeah, I see what you're saying. No, I no, I that still felt very Tarantino. And then and then the fact that like you've got the 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 horny ass like was he a cop or whatever that shows up and tries to fuck her and they're like well not right away but they're like dancing and stuff in the opening scene yeah that she no, ends those, up, are just, those are just hillbillies hillbillies okay whatever but they you know he he just shows up and you know starts kind of fucking with her and she ends up kicking it you know killing him well yeah you know like that I mean, that I think- whole that whole part felt very Tarantino to me. Even and then you have the the animated sequences split throughout the film. That's very Tarantino. I mean, I don't even think Tarantino wrote that in. I think that was pure Oliver Stone. No, it might be, but I'm saying the film f- for not being directed by <laughs> Tarantino, especially compared to True Romance, felt very Tarantino to me. I would argue that. Natural Born Killers is is someone trying to make a Quentin Tarantino film. You see what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, I can see that. I I can't. Like, I can't. It, it's like yeah. trying to make. It, let me put it this way: it's kind of like what Maddie and Mikey did with the Royale with Cheese segment, <sighs> but but they're but they're trying to be serious about it. Okay. Like if someone okay. said, "Make a Quentin Tarantino film." Right. Quentin Tarantino has nothing to do. Like, say Quentin died. And they're like, fuck, you know what we mean? Well, you know what the uh, what society needs is another Tarantino-like film. And someone just watches a ton of Tarantino like, and tries to replicate it. That's what you get with Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's that's probably pretty accurate. You know, um, I just don't understand the... I don't know. It, I thought... I honestly... Not for the reasons you would think, but I thought you would have hated this film. I remember, I remember multiple times. I'm not a fan. No, but I, I, I like especially because you hate the jump cut edits. Like that's something that irks you. You've brought that up on multiple films that we've talked about. I and think there's a lot of that jump cut editing throughout this thing. I like a, an edit, like when Edgar Wright edits. You know the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's quick paced, high editing, but you you get a feeling for Edgar Wright. Like I don't mind as long as they're consistent. Like I like when Edgar Wright does it. I like it when Quentin Tarantino does it. I like it when the Coen Brothers do it. Um, I'm not the biggest Oliver Stone fan. I think I I can safely say. Um, I think Scarface is a, is a pretty well-established film. I thought it was absolutely fucking meta as all hell that he included a scene of Scarface in the middle of his movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was really him patting himself on the back, so to speak. Or it was him saying, we're talking about violence on TV. I have definitely contributed to violence on TV. Um, Sure. I think, honestly, Oliver Stone's best fucking movie was Platoon. Um, I can't say that anything he's done since I've been particularly impressed with. See, now, uh, I, I've never seen Platoon, but I, I'm a big fan of um, Wall Street. Big fan of Wall Street. Not so much. I, I like the second one, but I like the first one a lot better. But I'm a huge fan uh, of Wall Street. I forgot about Wall Street, um, but I don't 
I don't watch that movie particularly because Oliver Stone did it. I do it because I watched that movie because of Michael Douglas and oh, and oh, sure, King. sure. But I'm saying it's still an Oliver Stone film. I mean, sure, yeah. you're, you're. I mean, and even the Doors, like I, but the Doors, the movie that we were just discussing, which is funny because he's. Good, oh, there it is. I couldn't find that one in his credits. Good movie. Yeah, I've heard like that. The, I've heard it's not great. It's not. It, I mean. <sighs> Let me put it this way, and you may laugh at this or you may roll your eyes or both. The Doors movie is the fucking Bohemian Rhapsody of the 90s. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I was right. You did both. Um, because it's complete, it's highly inaccurate on a bunch of shit, but the fucking actor does a goddamn convincing fucking job where you're like, I don't even give a fuck. This movie sucks. Like, I don't care that it's inaccurate. He fucking nailed it. And all the band members fucking nailed it. Um, so really, if you ever watch the doors, you won't, you don't like the doors. You're, you find them overrated, which yeah, is I, fine. I totally think they're overrated. But... Well, then you did just watch a couple scenes of Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. No, I heard that, he kills that, it. You know, I, I, he kills it. He does kill it. Uh, like I, times I, you know, you if we're, the difference. if we're laying out, you know, decade movies like that, like I hear, um, what's it called? Um, Great Balls of Fire. Is that it? The one with Buddy Holly? Is that the Buddy Holly mm-hmm. one? Like, I, I hear I, I, I hear that's not great, I but fucking... Called, I think it's just actually just called the Buddy Holly story, actually. Okay, but... With, but, with Busey? Yeah, but which I hear the movie's not great, but Busey fucking <clears throat> kills it as Buddy Holly. I've heard that, too. I have not seen it. Um, what I will give credit to Jim Morrison is... I'm sorry, not Jim Morrison, Val Kilmer, is that he does his own singing as Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. And he sounds just like Jim Morrison. That's always a thing uh, for you. You're, you're, yeah, when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I like it when an actor makes that extra leap. If they can't do it and they look the part and they can provide the acting, that's that's very good too. Right. Like, you know, Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles. I mean, up close. I mean, that that's all Ray Charles that he's lip syncing. But when he's quote unquote like rehearsing, you know, when he's do there's a scene where he's doing hit the road jack with a woman. And they're like figuring out the song together. That's Jamie Foxx doing it. The road, Jack. Like he's doing all that shit. Anyways, um, no, this is this is not related in any way. But I was looking something up, and I was looking up Top Gun because I thought Oliver Stone directed that. It's not. It's Tony Scott. I got my people confused. But oh, really? The other director? Yeah. Um, yeah. But so when I was on there looking at it, I got into the trivia for Top Gun. Apparently the real because Top Gun the school, the Top Gun school is a real thing. Like it doesn't sure. quite go the way the movie portrayed it, but it's still a real thing. Apparently yeah. the school imposes a five dollar fine to anyone that quotes the quotes the movie. <laughs> Every time they quote the movie it's a five dollar fine. <laughs> that's that's how they fucking make their budget <laughs> yeah right i think that's funny as shit anyway they just fucking make a thousand dollars every day just like i've got the, I, i've got the need i feel no i feel i feel i feel the need the need for speed trust me i know that i i fucking love top gun all right I know, well, you I, owe them five dollars damn I right don't. uh I, I no i love this i love that movie and i'm looking forward to the sequel coming out whenever the fuck they finally release it but, i mean look not for nothing if we if you uh, determine that we have to do a deep dive when the second one comes out. I'll watch them, but I I could give less of a fuck about Maverick and, and honestly, like, no, I, I'm sure I, you do. Yeah, it's, it's it's not. It's just one of those movies that I'm just I I saw, but I didn't fucking love as much as everyone else did. Um, that being said, oh, listen, 
very quickly, I uh, two second synopsis. I know it's not like a great movie. It's just one of those movies that's fun for me. Like I, I'm not, I'm never gonna sit here and tell you that Top Gun's one of the best 100 movies ever made. Never, never gonna make that argument. You know what I mean? No, but some some motherfucker would. Some motherfucker would. But I'm telling you right now, you're never gonna hear that come out of my mouth. But it's still something that I enjoy sure. watching. So anyway, all right, back to Natural Born Killers. So. We we agreed that as 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 crazy and and scary as he is, Woody Harrelson was very good in this film. Oh yeah, Woody 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 is the highlight of this film because Juliet Lewis to me was a I, I don't know I've never seen her in anything else beside this. I looked at her IMDb and I am almost positive I've never seen her in anything. You never else. saw Due Date? Nope. You never saw. Remind me, you never saw. From dusk till dawn, once and okay. so and and she was not memorable to me for what that's worth. You know, like I don't remember her character at all. You you never saw Cape Fear with the Nero? Nope. Okay, so I get. I mean, obviously, I've seen more Juliet Lewis than you have, but I also concur. I am not a Juliet Lewis fan. I have nothing against her. No, I don't. I just, yeah. I I in in let me put it this way. I feel like they were both Oliver Stone kind of characterized his casting of the two of them as well you know what they both look great as trailer trash i mean he's not he's, he's not, not wrong, wrong but, the, <laughs> but woody harrelson at least knows how to act yeah yeah i think yeah i mean juliet lewis i think at the time was just she just wasn't a good actress but she was given a very heavy role and i saw and that a lot she of, got nominated a lot of her for acting an, was just her yelling i saw she got nominated for an oscar in a different film um I forget what it was. Could've, and I can't find been it. Cape Fear, for all I know. I think I she think, may have been nominated. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll I, tell you a funny story. Uh, she she worked with De Niro in Cape Fear, and De Niro liked her performance of Natural Born Killers. So when they were working on Cape Fear, he said, "You know, I I really thoroughly enjoyed your performance of Natural Born Killers." And she said, "Oh, thanks. By the way, I actually." improvised most of my dialogue and De Niro was really fucking like he chastised her and said no you can't do that you have to respect you gotta respect the dialogue you like he gave her a bunch of shit which imagine you're Juliet Lewis right mm-hmm. and De Niro is like I you I like you you did a good thing you and then, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> you did a good job in that movie. I really liked your performance. And then you say, oh, I'm going to impress him. You like my performance? I improvised most of my dialogue. And then you get your ass chewed out by Robert De Niro for not respecting the screenwriter. Poor Juliette Lewis, dude. Like, I, I feel no, like sure, in that sure. story. I can't, I, can't, I can't argue with that either. Like, but if you're going to get tore up by... Uh... By De Niro. The fucked up thing yeah. is, De Niro does occasionally ad lib. Like some of the best yes, parts but, of Goodfellas. Yes, but wait a minute. Like, wait, a, but wait a minute. To your point, De Niro is a better fucking actor than Juliet Lewis. That's true, but by that logic, Juliet Lewis is a better ad libber than De Niro. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um. What? Is, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk about Dowdy. Holy shit. Um. Oh shit! Trent Reznor did the soundtrack for that movie. I told you. I told did you. you? That. I said he, he. I said there's a lot of Nine Inch Nails music, and Reznor did the fucking soundtrack. Huh. Um. Downey. Downey. 
Speaking of soundtrack, which <laughs> I told you you were going to laugh at the opening scene, and you hadn't even gotten to the movie yet. You just texted me and said, Leonard Cohen? And I said, yep! Well, just because it's kind of been on the, you know... Here's the you know, here's the other thing. Steph and I were watching the show Mr. Mercedes. They play a lot of Leonard Cohen. And Did so they? I was just like, motherfucker! I cannot... Ass- Everybody fucking knows! Like, seriously. All right. What about Donnie? <laughs> I... I don't know. Donnie, I mean, nope. he, he... I... You... You... So for for the audience, a lot of people don't know that we sometimes sometimes when we pick a movie to talk about, you'll tell me little to nothing if it's something I've never seen, or in some instances you'll tell me a lot. But when I say you tell me a lot, you don't you don't ruin the story. You just tell me a lot of like you'll like this actor and you'll like this perform that that kind of stuff, right? I try to find the things that I know you will like so if you don't like it, you'll be like, well, at least Downey was in it. Right. And you fuck it, at least in the way you were trying to sell it to me, you blew Downey. Like he must have came in your mouth at least twice because like Oh man, I after he came, I was Iron Man. <laughs> Cuz lo- I loved he loved we loved each other 3000. <laughs> um but no, I, I, I just, I just, I, I wasn't as blown away by Downey in this thing. Like, I don't think he was terrible by any means, but like, I wasn't like, Downey's not what, what's memorable to me from this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, okay. he, he did a fine job. Like, I don't, I don't think he was bad, but like, Woody, Woody sticks out substantially more for my memory from this film. And to be honest with you, Tommy Lee Jones and Tom Sizemore both stick out to me more than than uh, Downey does. So I don't know. I just I just didn't. It didn't. His role didn't grab me. Like he, it's a pivotal character, especially for the third act. But you know, I. It was just interesting to see. I mean, what's the earliest Downey movie that you've seen? Oh, we did Science. Okay. So there's the there. This is that middle ground of see, weird science and like but see, his he, comeback. He stuck out for me more in Skinner Darkly, which I don't think you've seen, which I think is on um, HBO. You might want to check. That. I, I I know of it for sure. Um, and that's him and Woody again, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then his role in um, Zodiac sticks out for me more than it does than this role. But that's Zo- but that's Zodiac is at is at his comeback. I'm talking about that gap where you know he's on heroin. You know he's on drugs. Right. And I mean, like, apart from the movie Chaplin, he was on drugs on the majority of his career in the nineties and early two thousands up to about two thousand and three ish. This whole weird block of the 90s and early 2000s he's on drugs and i would say this is like you you watch natural born killers and you understand why downey chose it you see what i'm saying because i would argue that downey has a he's got a fucked up sense of humor so he's looking at this movie being like i get to play the geraldo but he also like was hanging around with a dude who was australian so he like the, the character wasn't originally australian Downey showed up on set doing an Australian accent and Oliver still was like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, 
yeah, I've been hanging out with my buddy who's Australian. I just, can we do it? Can we make him Australian? He's like, I mean, I guess. Like, go ahead. So, I, I mean, look, I don't know if he nails the Australian accent. Jay, if if he nails the Australian accent, you let me know. I mean, he, he very much mumbles the Australian accent. He's not, you know, over-exaggerating his syllables. He's just mumbling his syllables, but he does exaggerate it in a very drawly way. Right. You know, um, I I view this movie because you watch him at one point be enamored with the violence. And he, during the police riot, he's shooting at the cops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all pretense of like violence is bad. And then he just starts shooting at fucking people like, let's kill all these motherfuckers, you know, like going nuts kind of proves the point of Mickey and Mallory. Um, It it was just interesting to see. There are a lot of actors that are having fun in this film. You cannot deny that Downey was not having the most fun. Despite what he may or may not have been doing off screen, on screen, he's having the most fun. Um, No, it looked like Woody was having a good time. Woody is having a good time, but I would say Downey's having more of a good time. Woody is chewing the scenery with a glint in his eye, whereas Downey is just fucking ravenous, trying to make every portion of film that he's in stand out as much as possible. Tommy Lee Jones also was at his most energetic. I've ever seen Tommy Lee Jones. I honestly think that's how he got the role of Two-Face. So do I. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah, I think that's how he got because uh, that—that's basically Two Face without the the extra makeup and stuff. Agreed. Uh, God, we keep going back to Val Kilmer, don't we? God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> so I I have some interesting um, and it's all over the place in terms of what it refers to, but I have a whole bunch of um, uh, trivia trivia about this film if you're interested in it. I probably read it, but I'm sure the audience would love to hear it. Uh, well, Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette wanted to be Mallory, which would have been yeah. really interesting considering Patricia was uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I got to say, I think Rosanna would have done a, probably a better job. I don't know. I've seen only one Rosanna movie. Yeah. I've I, only seen, she was in the whole nine yards. That's the, honestly, I think it's the only Rosanna Arquette movie I've seen. No, you've seen her in Pulp Fiction. She's the drug okay. dealer's girlfriend, and based based on that role, I think she could have done Mallory. Okay, I for, I completely forgot, but that's how mem- that's that's no, how she's not. Yeah, no, you're right. She's not in a bunch of stuff, but I'm saying based on that role in sure. Pulp, she could have probably pulled off Mallory. I think. Sure. Sure. Um, let's see. I also saw. Apparently, there's a big dialogue or big monologue scene with uh, Dennis Leary that's on the DVD that I need to try to find now because I bet you that's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, apparently he was cut, which he also said he's fine with because he didn't like being on the movie. Sure. Apparently, apparently the shooting of this film was absolute hell for everyone involved. From the look of it, I wouldn't be stunned (laughs) at that. Um, Here's one I think you'll find really, you specifically will find interesting. Um, there were two people that were considered for Skagnetti before Tom Sizemore got it. Um, James Woods, which yeah. would have been interesting, but the one that's even more interesting is Gary Ullman. So Gary Ullman, I what? 
I, dude, I, I'm fine with Gary Oldman being in everything. No, but I'm saying, can you imagine Oldman playing Drexel in True Romance and then fucking Skagnetti in this thing that's, like that? That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I mean, uh, Tom Sizemore was fine. He was def- like Tom Sizemore as an actor in the 90s was a great like he was everywhere. Um, yeah. He he I'm trying to imagine what that would have been like. For Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Sizemore to be on the same movie set, struggling with their sobriety, yeah, like you, you, you know, you look at you, you think about something, you're like, oh, they definitely did drugs together. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Like oh. you kind of just, <laughs> yeah, you can kind of look at actors, and be like, I wonder if they had sex. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if they they had sex because this chemistry is a little too good. But then you look at Sizemore and Downey, you're like, oh, they, I I wonder if they had, yeah, they definitely did drugs. Yeah. They definitely (laughs) argued over who's, over who had the last line to start. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This one's kind of interesting. Apparently, in real life, Woody Harrelson's the son of Charles Harrelson, who was actually a hitman. And has the distinction yeah. of being the first person to murder a federal judge in the 20th century. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I don't remember if he... I want to say uh, Woody's dad shot the judge from a rifle in a tower. I don't know. I'm yeah, pretty I sure. I, from my history of looking it up, I remember looking it up years ago and being like, that's fucking nuts, dude. Holy shit. Here's the thing that connects True Romance to Natural Born Killers is Scagnetti talks about how his mother was shot in front of him yep. by a nutcase yep. in, a, in a rifle in a tower. They also have the same fucking dialogue. Like sh- someone in True Romance tells that same I remember scenario. That. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another little bridge. Um, there was this one here I just saw. Hold on a second. Well, this, this here, this is, this is the thing about Oliver Stone. And I know uh, is Oliver Stone has a tendency to get very political in his films about real life stuff, and Born so the, of July platoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also puts scenes in his non like platoon fourth born, you know, like that that are still political in nature. And apparently, the 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 way the piece for the police were kicking the crap out of Mickey Mallory outside the pharmacy were, was meant to mimic what happened to Rodney King back mm-hmm. in ninety one. So you know. Yeah. That that's you know, I would not call Oliver Stone a conservative, even though sometimes his films come off a little overly patriotic in a conservative. Sense. Oh, he's definitely much more liberal. That's for sure. He's very much a liberal, but yeah. I would also call him a libertarian. This is the last. This is the last one that I really find it be worth talking about. But because sure. you asked me, you said you didn't think Tarantino saw the film. Now, I don't know if he saw the whole film, but it says here that Quentin Tarantino watched the opening scene with Mickey Mallory in the diner and immediately demanded his name be removed from the credits. Which is odd to me, because that feels like the most, one of the more Tarantino-esque scenes in the film. I'm surprised he had a problem with that. I think, like I said, I think it looked, to him, I would imagine it looks like instead of being a faithful adaptation of his written work, it looked like they were just trying to come up with something that would impress him in his own style. Yeah. Like there was a movie that came out fairly recently called bad times of the El Royale. I think is what it's called. Mm. It's Jeff Bridges. It's, uh, it's, uh, um, 
Chris Hemsworth. It's very much if you if you never if uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't happen, this would have been a good substitute. And that's what's unfortunate is that it's very similar to Tarantino's style and dialogue, and it's set in the late sixties. So it was compared unfavorably to what people considered the whole, the superior film, which was once upon a time in Hollywood, but it was honestly just a guy just trying to make a fucking movie who had a similar voice. Huh? That's interesting. I'm sorry. I'm listening to you, buddy, but there's two other, go for it. There are two other pieces here. Um, Tori Amos was actually offered the role of Mallory. Who's Tori Amos? Singer. Tori Amos, who had been what? what? Who's Tori Amos? Okay, I'm just gonna leave that there because okay, she's as yeah, wow. Anyway, she was offered the part of Mallory and turned and and it doesn't say why she ultimately didn't do it. So I don't know. Um, but the other thing that's really interesting, and I don't understand this. Um, it, it, where was oh Steve Buscemi and Tim Roth were offered the role of Wayne Gale and turned it down because Quentin told them if you do it you're never gonna work with me again which kind of goes to the point you made earlier but yep. how would he have known if the thing hadn't been made like that's the thing that I'm kind of confused on you know because probably someone like there are people that rub shoulders with all these people you know what I'm saying like he was probably pissed off that the movie was getting made because. He's a part of it because he wrote the story. So I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And also it would not, uh, if memory serves, Miramax was fucking producing natural born killers. And just as much as Kevin Smith was a Miramax boy, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez were the Miramax boys too. So it would not surprise me if somehow Quentin was in on the loop of the casting. I'm sure he probably approved of the casting of Woody Harrelson because in his own mind, he's like, well, he's right for the role, but I also have no intention of working with Woody Harrelson. It's just not of my forte. And I think he gave Juliette Lewis a pass because ultimately he didn't get the final say of who can be cast in From Dusk Till Dawn. And that was all Robert Rodriguez. And if Rodriguez said, no, dude, she's got to be in my movie, then Quentin's going to be like, all right, fine. Um, Yeah. I mean, he... Good. Yeah, I don't think he worked with Sizemore again. I think that no. was the end. It was it was true romance. It was Notch Born Killers. I don't think he ever showed up in another Tarantino film again. Yeah. So um, who else? Chris Penn had just done Reservoir Dogs with Tarantino and True Romance. So, but he wasn't in Natural Born Killers. So, like, there were all these actors that. We're rubbing shoulders with each other. Like if Chris Penn and and Quentin were still good, he probably would have like still been in his future films. I yeah. I would like I. You look at like why he chooses the actors he continues to work with and why he doesn't continue working with the ones that he also worked with, and you you have to imagine there was some probably some animosity because Quentin I would imagine is not a very easy person. He's a bit of a fucking egomaniac i don't know maddie checked him into a bush and then they were fine so you know like because he didn't know it was maddie who checked him into a bush it's true it's true yeah he didn't um, know who did. he didn't know he didn't know he just found the most aggressive canadian well when 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 he listens to the uh 
when he listens to Potescu, when when Tarantino's just sitting around listening to Potescu, he'll figure it out. So you know, yeah, and, um, and he'll be like that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, two other two other ones. One's kind of long, Rico, but you might be curious about this. But I'll do the short one first. The short one is filming took fifty six days, editing took eleven months. Yeah, I remember that. That's remember reading that crazy. Yeah. Um. This one's long, but this is really kind of an interesting one. and might be a good way to transition to the end here, unless you had something else you wanted to touch on. But uh, in an infamous incident after the film had been released, Oliver Stone and Time Warner were sued by Patsy Byers with the support of author and producer John Grisham. In March of 1995, an 18-year-old Sarah Edmondson and her boyfriend Benjamin Darris, also 18, allegedly dropped some acid and watched the movie. Later that night, Sarah shot and paralyzed her boyfriend, a store clerk in, I can't even say the name, I'm sorry, but some weird town. And Benjamin killed cotton gin manager William Savage in Hernado, Mississippi. Grissom was a personal fan of Savage's, and after the murder, Grissom publicly accused Oliver Stone of being irresponsible in making the film, arguing that the filmmaker should be held accountable for the work when it incites violent behavior. Byers decided to take legal action against Stone in the studio, and supported by Grisham, she used a product liability claim in the lawsuit, which argued that Stone had incited the teenagers to commit the crimes. Initially, the case was dismissed in January of 1997 on the grounds that the filmmakers and production companies are protected by the First Amendment. However... In May of 1998, the Intermediate Louisiana Court of Appeals overturned the lower court's decision, and the case went ahead. The attorneys for Byers attempted to prove that the that Oliver Stone and Time Warner were culpable in the murder in and in Byers' injury because they had purposefully meant to incite violence by distributing a film they knew or should have known would cause and inspire people to commit crime. All of Hollywood eagerly awaited the, the outcome of the trial because if Stone was found guilty, it would mean a drastic reexamination of the industry practices that would carry all kinds of far-reaching implications in regard to the content of movies. However, in a landmark decision, Byers' action was thrown out of court in March of 2001, and its dismissal was confirmed by the Court of Appeal in 2002. It's a seven-year court case. That's yep. crazy to me but you know what it takes me to it takes me to um and you're gonna think i'm um nuts but uh ozzy got sued for a song called suicide solution i I know of this yeah and there's a there's a line in the in the song that goes wine is fine but whiskey's quicker um something else I, i forget the rest of the line but it does basically talk about drinking yourself to death but then to take it a step further, the the attorney for the, the plaintiff claimed there was subliminal messaging within the song that says, get the gun, shoot, 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 shoot. Because yeah. the kid who did it blew his brains out. The kid who killed himself mm-hmm. that they're using blew his brains out. Now, I've heard, to very briefly touch on it, I've heard the song, and there is like a sound effect that I guess you could interpret as shoot. But it's mm-hmm. not like a lyric. It's not being sung, and the word "shoot" is not being said. But anyway, the point is that like 
people are going to and it, I mean you go to Columbine and 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 blaming mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson for that stuff. You know what I mean? Like right. Okay, turns out Manson's a, a douchebag. Terribly allegedly. not allegedly a douchebag. I'm not terribly surprised by that fact regardless. Like but that doesn't mean that he wanted kids to go into their school and blow it the fuck up either. You know. Listen, so. every every for Columbine just as an example. Um, every, I mean, this kind of goes with what we're talking about here. Like it's the media that was blaming everybody instead of following what they already know. Right. They were blaming Marilyn Manson. They were blaming violent video games. They were blaming South Park. Mm -hmm. Here's my response. If you believe that Jesus was a person. Jesus was tortured and murdered. Did you hear that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and there was no video games. There was no South Park. There was no Marilyn Manson to blame. No Ozzy Osbourne. No, no Ozzy was definitely alive. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was a baby. That's funny. He was the second coming. Yeah. Um, my point is, is that especially the conservatives when they want to save the children, you know, who's responsible for, for torturing our children's minds. Um, maybe people are just fucked up. People have been killing each other for fucking ever. Centuries. And if you millennia. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, ever since a caveman found out what a, a rock can do. <laughs> After he jerked off like, on it. <laughs> After he what? Jerked off on it. Jerked off on the rock? Yeah. Uh, poor Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I was I was referring to the Mel Brooks movie, but sure. They don't they didn't jerk off on rocks. They they he pissed on a rock. Alright, well fair enough. Alright. I mean, yes, jerk off or or bludgeon was with a rock. Either way. <laughs> my point is the people like human species has been fucking depraved since day one. You, I mean, you need more proof. Either read a history book or read your Bible. If you yep. view their Bible as a history book, but then you do. should be like, "Oh God damn, we have not gotten any fucking better." Nope. So, but when people like try to say, "Oh well, the media, it's the fucking media." Well, yeah, the media doesn't help. No. It, here's he. Someone. Ex- I, I read this, and it was the most perfect way of explaining the media. And I'm gonna fuck up the quote, but I'm gonna try and do it as justice as I can. The media, the media's sole purpose is to provide the facts. If you have the liberals saying that the sky is blue and you have the conservatives saying the sky is green, the media's sole responsibility is to say which is true, not fuel the conservative side. Say, well, obviously it's green. Any person who doesn't know is that it's green. Just fucking go outside and look. Mm-hmm. If you, unless you're fucking colorblind, then then don't do that study. Do a have a different reporter fucking do that article. But yep. you go out and you look at the fucking sky and you say, "Is this blue?" Okay, it's blue. Not why is it blue? Not how is it blue? Just that it's fucking blue. I'm. I mean, I'm. T- the irony is that you and I, in a rear, in a roundabout way, are. The lowest form of journalism, you know what I'm saying? I, we, I think that's still being kind. 
I we look, we, we provide our opinions. The problem is, is that news is, should not be opinions. Right. Well, we don't. Be... Yes, we're not. We're also not news sometimes. And then sometimes we do present facts. But when we, we do, we also fact check ourselves as yes, we, we do. are reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Because we've been called out. Not often because we try to do an extensive job of trying to protect ourselves. Um, so that's my point is instead of trying to sensationalize the serial killers, just say this person's a serial killer. Maybe they shouldn't get any news. Maybe they shouldn't get any fucking uh, airtime. But going back to that viciousness of, of the human race, there is also that urge to find, to read about or hear about or look at someone else who's vicious. Because not everybody, but there are people that find that shit fascinating of hearing a serial killer have an interview. I think... That's actually probably why podcasts are popular anyways. Mm. The majority of the podcast that is like popular and in demand is about true crime shit. Think about it, CJ. Like, how many followers do we have that are <laughs> that are not true crime podcasts? Oh, maybe two. 10? Yeah. No, it? no, it's more than that, but yeah. But yeah. Uh, maybe 10. No, I... I... I actually went through our list yesterday, cleaning cleaning up the not follows us back. Sure. I, I'd say thirty percent. Thirty percent of three thousand. Is... So it's like, what's that? You know, that's a. I don't know. Hold on, ten percent would be three hundred. So nine hundred. Yeah, that's that's still a big margin. Yeah, that's still a huge margin. So. My point is, is that people who watch Natural War Killers can like if you feel I don't know, it's a fucked movie. You know what? You know what Natural War Killers is? It's if you watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and True Romance and then have a weird wet dream. There you go. There's Natural Born Killers. I, I want to end on that, but I have a question I need to ask you before we do it. So I can't do that. We're, I can't go with it. All right. Because I'm seeing a piece of trivia here that says Rodney Dangerfield rewrote all of his lines. And that yeah. makes me wonder, did he make them, for lack of a better phrase, better? Like, were they potentially worse than what we... I think, yeah, I would I would garner that. I think he tried to make them funnier. Because he also was very confused by the... He didn't understand. Yeah. He didn't get what they were trying to go for. Which is really fucking weird, because Rodney... Rodney was a very smart comedian, and he had a yeah. fucking razor wit, and he also had a very... Lowbrow sense of humor, but he could play clean. But he was very uncomfortable being the the father molesting the daughter and and making it a fifty sitcom kind of scenario. He he was just like I I don't get this shit. <laughs> like you know he just like so I think in order to cleanse his palate of having to be in this film, he rewrote his dialogue. So let, let's recap overall. Let's recap overall because you 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 were the one that was like if we're doing true romance we should do natural born killers. Yes, this, this is entirely my fault. I agree. Yeah. Um. So recapping, I would say if I never watch natural born killers again, I'll be okay. Like same here. I I, I don't ever really need to see it again. Um, I'm glad you and I both saw the director's cut. Yes. Because that would be like, oh, we definitely don't ever have to see it again. No. Um. But conversely, I'm not going to run out tomorrow and get it. But I, if I found True Romance cheap, I wouldn't mind adding that to my collection. 
I don't oh, think. that's that's good to hear because I've yeah. been bugging you about this fucking movie forever. I'm not I'm, again. I'm not gonna go like I'm not going on Amazon right now and ordering a copy. But sure. like, it's not like no, because there have been movies that I've done that where I've seen it like on HBO right. or something, and I'm like, oh fuck, I need, I need a if if it was five dollars in the Walmart DVD or Blu-ray bin or something, you'd be like, oh fuck yeah, that's oh a without right question, there. it would be in right. my hand. Sure, yeah, no doubt. But it, but it's certainly. I'm not running out and buying a copy tomorrow, but it's certainly I, I would watch it again. I mean, if 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 you know you ha- if we were hanging out and you put it on, I'd be like, all right, let's you know or whatever, you know, something like that. Like I I don't being that that's the first one you would go to, but you get the point. No. Like you know, um, but yeah, I I dug it. I I I I almost wish I'd watched it in reverse order for the simple fact that I would have enjoyed the second movie better I, but that's all i right. want to say i think i told you to do it like that but you had already started true romance like, there's like nothing i could do about it yeah i told so. you i said you should watch natural war killers first because you actually really fully like true romance more and then you i said so how you doing you're like i just started true romance and i'm like fuck he's gonna hate natural war killers now i, I didn't hate it and honestly you, like despite all the problems with the film and i'll say this real good I and I, I will stick to this. Woody, pun intended, kills it. Like Woody is really good in this film. Like it makes absolute sense why he's been cast as Carnage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you catch the Zombieland fucking quote? No, no. Dude, Tommy Lee Jones is like out there in Zombieland, and I'm like, oh my fuck, that's especially funny. No, I didn't catch that. No. Yeah. It, it if, if that was during the riot, it was really kind of hard to keep track of what was before. going on. It was before the riot. Before, okay. It was before the riot. It was, it was. I think it was during dialogue between him and Sizemore. They're just like making conversation mm. and bullshitting. Have you seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Because now that I made that statement, I'm more convinced ever that I'm correct. That's the one with. Uh, hold on, let me guess before you say it. That's that's Depp and Benicio del Toro. Correct. Okay, I've seen I've seen part of it. I've seen parts of it. I, I did I you not, like the parts? It was probably on par with this film of like what the fuck is happening right but now. That's the point. Is that here's here's the difference. Natural born killers, they're just fucked in the head. Whereas in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, they're fucked in the head because they're on drugs. A lot of if I recall. A lot like, of drugs. Yeah. The part um, I saw Yeah you, you want you want to end this on a funny note? I had another question, but what's your? Oh no! Out? Ask your question first. Well, this actually works great because what I'm going to ask you is is not funny, and then you can liven it up with the funny. How did you handle the the snakes? Oh, I I just looked away like I typically do when I yeah. see snakes on TV. Yeah, I don't I don't. So I don't know if you read in the trivia, but a lot of the snakes in that snake field were real. Yep. A lot of them were fake. Yeah. But enough were fucking real. Yeah, I did read the <laughs> And from what they said is like there actually was very little danger. I mean, there's danger, but very little danger because it was cold at night. And they te- and they actually were like sleeping and tended to be very sluggish. So as long as the actors just didn't get too close, they were and fine. O- and also a lot. I mean, I'd, I'm you probably know this better than I would, but I would imagine a lot of the ones that are used in a movie, unless they were just happened to be there because they were in the desert. But like if they were actually like placed there by like production, a lot of those snakes are devenomized anyway because you can do that. So 
You you can. Uh, they didn't specifically say that, but I'm sure there were a bunch of snake handlers. It's not like they went out in the fucking Nevada desert were like, hey, look, a, a sea of snakes. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Um, what was your funny uh, end? So for a long time, and I do the same thing with the Mexican and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I get the two movies. I've never seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico, just to get that clear. But because okay. the titles are similar, I always get those two fucking backwards. Sure. Or confused, you know. Um, I do the same thing with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Leaving Las Vegas. I, I don't blame you. Um, I, I've, I've, I've seen that. I've seen people make that, that uh, confusion. What I've seen, this will fucking really make you roll your eyes. I saw someone have a complete bitch fit about actors being miscast for roles. They hadn't seen the Mexican. They thought Brad Pitt was cast as a Mexican. Good night, everybody. CJ here with a few thank yous to let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. Listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcast. Please don't forget to rate and comment. If you want to agree with or yell at us, you can do it live. That's right. Rico and I put ourselves on a weekly live stream called Getting Vocal with Potaskew every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific at getvocal.com slash That's www.getvokl.com slash where we discuss various topics from past and present shows and even sometimes play games. If you can't or don't want to join us live, you can follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at RanceRico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. We want to thank logo designer and show friend Mike for his work on our wonderful logo. You can contact him for artwork via email at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for all original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone, for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Mickey and Mallory, feared by thousands. I love you so much, baby. I love you. Watched by millions. We're fighting. Can't stop fighting. Nobody can. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone or something. Woody Harrelson, Juliette Lewis, Robert Downey Jr., and Tommy Lee Jones. What do you have to say to your fans? You ain't seen nothing yet. Natural Born Killers. and dislikes people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're
someone who loves football, I mean truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.